You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. I knew primitive humans lacked intelligence. I didn't know they were this stupid. <laughs> Alan Seiler. I forgot to come up with a quote, so I'm just going to say 80. <laughs> and Veronica Dashiell. Hi. <laughs> and we're having a belated <laughs> celebration today. We're... Celebrating our 80th episode, uh, a few weeks late, we we got a little busy over the summer and we kept pushing it back and pushing it back. We had things coming up, but uh, we're getting together today to celebrate our 80th episode as a podcast. And if you're new to the show, uh, you may not know that we have a little tradition where every 20 episodes we'll review the, the 20th episode of every Star Trek, and then the 40th episode of every Star Trek, and then the 60th episode of every Star Trek. So this week we're going to be talking about the 80th episode of every Star Trek series that's gone this far. And we lost the original series this time. Yeah, yeah just barely, man. Yeah, they made it right. all the way to 79. Yep. That's and we right. Decided not, we decided not to cheat. We decided not to count <laughs> the Turnabout Intruder or the Cage or something no. like that. Uh, because the whole point is to look at where the shows are at, at this point in their development. And, yeah. um, I mean, it's a big milestone for, for each of the shows that got past that 79 number and yeah. surpassed, you know, there's the spinoffs got further than the original series did. I was going to yep. say, it's quite a milestone for those shows and for us. That's right. Can you imagine, like, when we first started that <laughs> we would now be at 80, ep- well, 80, what is it, five now? Yeah, this is like 84, I think. Yeah, Not 84. Any bonus episodes we've put right. out over the, the, the numbers get a little fuzzy. That's crazy. <laughs> but you, and, you, and as you said, we did have, you know, we, we were planning on doing this for our 80th, but we had a number of opportunities come our way the past few weeks. One of them, of course, being Andrea Kindred. Right. And mm. when Andrea Kindred says, yeah, I'd love to be on your podcast, you don't say, oh, that's fantastic. But we have this other thing that we need to do first, and then we'll get around to you. Right. No. When, when Andrea Kindred says yes, you you just say yes right back and without right. even thinking. Exactly yep. right. <laughs> so yeah, 80, 80th episodes this this week. Um, I mean, it's, it's a, I think that every time we've done this, the episodes have gotten better. Yes. Well, that's Overall. good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think the shows are improving as they go along. Yeah, we're getting yeah. into the season three territory. Yep. Yep. So the, the yeah. episodes that we're yeah, yeah, I was. Oh, so go ahead, Charles. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say it was so funny just just turning on DS9 and Cisco is in full Cisco. He's right. bald. He's got the beard. He's got the swagger. It it was amazing. <laughs> just just watching yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, right on. It's sort of watching the shows become what they are. You know, as yeah. they go along. Yeah. You know, by episode twenty, Next Gen hadn't hit its stride yet. Mm-hmm. For instance, DS9 <laughs> right. hadn't hit its stride yet. But um, I mean, the episodes that we're talking about tonight are going to be Legacy from The Next Generation, Little Green Men from DS9, Mortal <laughs> Coil from Voyager, and Borderland from Enterprise. And I, I guess the next time we do this, Enterprise will be off the list. That's right. Did they make it to 100? 
Well, they made it to 98, right? Ooh, yep. I can't remember. Well, wh- how do you count? Because I thought 100 well, was what you had to have for syndication, but how did they actually yeah, but, count that? Well, but they didn't make it to 100. So w- when the show ends, you go to syndication, even if you've done five. Yeah, yeah. Or at least you're av- you're available for syndication. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I guess we should kick it off with the Next Generation episode, Legacy. All right. And and first thing, did you guys catch the Turnabout Intruder reference? And Legacy? Oh, man. You beat me to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, go, go ahead, ahead Charles. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I have something to say about that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So in the last episode of the original series, the Turnabout Intruder, <laughs> they were on an archaeological mission to the planet Camus 2. And so in Picard's opening log, they said they've received a distress signal. And so they're going to be bypassing their archaeological expedition to Camus 2. <laughs> a little nod to the fact that they had gone one episode now past what the original series had accomplished, <laughs> uh, which is cute, which is fun. What were you so, going to say about it, Keith? It's not like I track of those things. A right. comment I yeah. had on that, lest, lest anybody thinks that I am too enlightened and I don't hold on to certain grudges. Uh, every time. <laughs> Every time I turn on Star Trek, I literally mumble about it. Yeah, this used to be on Netflix. And it was better on Netflix, man. It ran <laughs> yes. better across all platforms. But, yes. but, and this is weird. I'm going to complain at the same time I praise. On my television, my Roku, I didn't see this. But on my phone, which I was using, the, the thing that you brought up, Charles, that's where I saw it because I accidentally paused it on my phone and all this trivia scrolled across my Android phone screen watching Paramount+. Plus. That information that you mentioned and a whole bunch of trivia was on the screen when I was streaming oh. Star Trek on Paramount what? Plus. Yes, on my phone, kind of like kind of like X-Ray and Amazon Prime. I hit pause and all of a sudden it had all this stuff and it said this trivia <laughs> and it talked about that canvas and it talked about huh. um, and it said that one of the um, there was some place on the planet when they were going down to um, to rescue the Federation people that had the same name as something referenced in the next generation i'll find it but yeah so that was that was a praise for paramount plus because i always curse it but that's where (laughs) i found it but it was only on my phone not on my roku wow that's not isn't that bizarre to have like text all over your screen yeah i'm gonna try yeah. that though that's yeah. interesting because uh like you i grumble a lot about paramount plus i've our, our <laughs> nightly uh star trek watching i've started putting on pluto tv just because it's less frustrating to use than paramount plus and whatever <laughs> happens to be on pluto tv is what we listen to yes yes that's oh, so here's... interesting because i yeah. do watch on my on my roku i have the mm-hmm. paramount you know installed on my roku and i have never had a single issue with it Hmm. Really? We, keep getting, yeah. we keep getting commercials even though we're paying for no commercials we, we, yeah we, that's we the other thing i'm pissed about yeah yeah and well this is going to turn into a gripe session yeah well, <laughs> yeah we'll <laughs> save that so let's talk about but, legacy i enjoyed it it was it was probably i will say this what you guys were all saying about how these are all got better i will say i enjoyed all the shows that we watched mm. and there was not a one where i would say oh i don't want to watch that again this right. was probably my least favorite, and that's a relative thing, only because it was one of the few shows, as much as I like it, it was one of the few shows that kind of fit what some people sometimes said about TNG, which was it was kind of slow-paced for me. And I'm usually the last person to say anything is slow-paced, because I love what they call, I like to call it deliberate pacing. But it was a little slow for me. At the same time, it felt a little rushed for me. Because I felt like the action and stuff was slow, but I honestly felt like this. I get the whole thing about loving Tasha Yar, 
But the way everybody kind of fell for her and was right. fooled by her made it feel like it was rushed for me, even though I still kind of yeah. enjoyed the show. And I hate to say this, but my God, the 80s look. There were people with headbands mm-hmm. and mullets. And yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't get away from that. Okay. <laughs> but, sub- but substantively, I thought it was an interesting idea that could have been maybe just handled a little better. That's pro- This is probably one that needed a two-parter, in my opinion. Yeah, but I just don't think that idea. I think what you're saying is right as far as mm-hmm. like the 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 development of. I just don't think it would have. It would have been a dreadfully boring two parter. Yeah, well, that's probably true. Well, the the problem with it, and I, I like that they're delving into their own mythology at this point. It's right. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing back the memories of Tasha Yar, and yeah, you know, she wasn't just off the show and forgotten. She's a part of their journey now. Right. Um. But I mean. Surely nobody in 1990-ish was watching this and was shocked that she turned against them. I mean, I know that I've I've seen this episode since I was like 10 years old, but I was like, there's nobody out there could possibly have been surprised. Right. (laughs) No, no. Whenever someone's like, I'm going to leave these people and come and be with you guys now, it's always every single time double cross. Well, really, I think that Starfleet officers, I'd love to see an episode where Someone beams on the ship and they're like, oh, you're a sibling of one of our crewmen. And everyone just pulls their phasers out because <laughs> the siblings of the crewmen are always evil. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Good point. Good point. Uh, I will say at the beginning of the show, I did enjoy the poker game. And I it's so silly, but I do laugh every time I see Data in a hat playing the poker dealer. <laughs> but. Yeah, I do too. But you know what they always say? You know what the Joker buddy says is you've got an empath and then you've got an android who should be able to like detect heartbeat and stuff. And Riker is always, and a Klingon who I guess worst case might kill you. And Riker is always winning or doing really well. So yeah. I thought that was, and then if you bring Jordy in, he should be able to see through the cards. So <laughs> uh, the, right. the poker games are always funny. And I've always wondered, what do you think would happen on a Klingon ship? Do they play anything approaching poker? Because I could see them getting violent if somebody bluffs somebody, you know? Like you dishonor their house if you bluff them or something. So. <laughs> you yeah. without honor. Yeah, there's yeah. got to be. There's got to. What, what games do Klingon warriors play in their downtime? Yes. yes. Yeah, I imagine it's a lot of just punching each other in the chest. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine it's, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of that, like, dagger thing with the fingers. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but one real quick thing, Charles, I thought something you said I thought was very interesting. It's amazing. I didn't think about that. Is they were showing a failed colony, which is something you rarely see in Star Trek. And I didn't mm. even really, that didn't even cross my mind till right now, because usually they're improving people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a failed one. Um, and I thought that was very interesting. Uh, yeah, and I guess, I mean, Nimbus 3 was kind of that way in the movies <laughs> where it was uh, just just a pit, you know, um, right. and I, I, I'm a little surprised that Starfleet doesn't like move in when that sort of situation is going on like this. The situation got out of control in this colony. Uh, we mm-hmm. need to step in, you know, um, yeah. no, it's just you're, it's just you're out in space and you're just on your own. You decide to start a colony and it doesn't go well. Hate it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought I agree with that. I, I, and that's what that's the reason. And maybe, Alan, you're right. Maybe if it, if it was the same show for two episodes, it's a two part, it would be dull. But there seemed like there was really a gem, gem and germs of, of, of really good stuff there. Like, I'm very intrigued by Tasha's sister. But it seemed like there was not enough time to really develop her because she's pretty much I hate my sister. She was a coward. She abandoned me, which was kind of strange. 
Yeah. And then yeah. everybody's like, oh, we love her and we trust her. And then, like you said, you yeah. kind of feel my wife literally walks in and goes, she's dirty, right? She's going to betray them. Like, how do you know? She goes, ah, you can just kind of tell. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how TV drama works. So yeah. maybe, maybe not a, a two-parter, but maybe <laughs> had she like maybe had the story resolved the way, you know, in, in the 45 minutes that it has. And then right. she stays on the ship for whatever reason. And she's there for maybe three episodes in different scenarios. But so it's not a two-parter, but the character carries over and you have that, that time to sort of develop crew feelings for her and, you know, and, and see how all that evolves. Yeah, you know, it's just like we it's just like we've said not to not to bring up again Tuvix, but <laughs> the, the, just like the way we were talking about how it would have been so interesting to have Tuvix on for three mm -hmm. or four episodes to make right. that like that decision that they have to make at the end of that one episode that much more impactful and to mm -hmm. invest because the way it is, you know how it's going to resolve. Yeah, you yeah. know 100 yeah. percent how it's going to evolve. So have that character on for three episodes or four episodes, and let the audience start to think maybe they really have pulled a fast one on us, you know? Mm -hmm. And exactly. then have then pull that punch, and then make them <laughs> make the make the characters decide: Do we kill him? Do we resurrect the other two people? What do we do? Right. Same with same with Yar. Yeah, that would have been interesting. I, I think. I will say I thought that. Brett Spiner's performance and acting in here was excellent. And yeah, I really enjoyed as, his, yeah. his performance there. And at the yeah. end, when he talked about the, the relate, you know, the feelings, well, here we go, the feelings, when he was talking to Riker about what was going on, that was really heartfelt. And yeah. I thought that that kind of redeemed the show. Not that I didn't like the show, but I thought the way Brett Spiner conveyed that emotion and and walking that really weird line between he's not supposed to have emotion, but we all know that he has emotion. I thought yeah. he did a he did a good job. He that actually made me tear up at the end. Uh, I thought mm. he did he was phenomenal there. That is so interesting that you bring that up, Keith, because mm -hmm. both of those points, exactly those points, I'm going to make in the later what two of the other episodes that we're going to talk ah, about. Okay. Look at Veronica, that. What did you carry through? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so of these episodes, one of them I've obviously seen a lot. One of them I've seen a couple <laughs> times, and this is one of the two that I had I have no recollection of ever having seen. Really? So, um, and we were also so we like ended up pausing this and watching it over the course of a day or two, um, and it was around the same time when we were watching the most recent Orville episode, which had a similar-ish story. Um, where someone that's semi from their past, but not really is coming like, Hey, I want to defect with you guys. And mm. you're, you know, the entire time what's going to happen. Um, so I, so I was thinking about that the entire time, <laughs> the comparison there. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And yeah. what conclusions yeah. did you come to in your comparisons? Um, that they're always going to turn and. Okay. Try and. Gotcha. Not be. Good. Well, it needed a double twist. Yeah, you know, like the, it has the twist. Yeah. You sort of see the twist coming. You need a double twist. Yes, where something else happens and she turns back, or something. There's something's not what it seemed, and you know what I mean. Um, the plot, I don't think, is particularly gripping in this episode. Yeah, but I think that the character stories work very well because, yeah. like right. I said, it's, it's. I mean, it's a lot of shows. You have an actor leave and they get written off or killed off. 
but I like that they maintain Tashiar as part of the tapestry mm-hmm. of next gen as it goes on. And not every episode, obviously, but when it comes up, you know, right. it happened in measure of a man when he had the little hologram of her. It happened yeah. in yesterday's enterprise. It happens later when Sela comes on yeah. uh, to varying degrees of success. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I like that. I think it worked well in this episode of, Hey, we, we remember our fallen comrade, you know, she was important mm-hmm. to us. She was, I mean, she was, a main character on the show. She was just as important to us as we were to each other. Um, That's true. And I, I liked that they carry that through. Yeah. And uh, speaking of the, those feelings, I, I love the scene when she walked into the briefing room, everybody just was looking at her. <laughs> they, they right. this, there's a whole room. For, it's like, you just walk into a room and ugh, she goes, okay, you don't think I'm her sister, which I thought was kind of wild. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a couple of quick things real fast. We're talking the trivia we were talking about. There's a sign which in um, there's a sign when they're underground doing their whole raid and stuff. It says King Mai Hotel or MEI, if that's pronounced Mai. That was the name of a business in another 48 hours. And that was a real oblique reference to Denise Crosby in the 48 hours series. And I I mean, that's one of those things I probably should say that for a trivia contest, because who the heck is gonna figure that one out? Yeah. It's interesting. Wow. Yeah. That's so uh, weird. Another thing, and I don't know, one of the things we should do a game on this or trivia on this. I am positive that because he's done it before in this episode, Brent Spiner used the contraction at the beginning of the episode. He said, we'll be, so he said, we'll be entering the system in 11 hours. I, I'm not joking. I played this five times because you can say we will real fast. And he says, we'll, I have this <laughs> thing where I catch him sometimes when he's doing it. It's just my thing. It well, is your sure. thing. You have mentioned this a number of times. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure somebody on the internet has done this for us, you know, mm. done all those contractions. And the last thing I got to say, guys, I hate to bring this up, but I got to do this thing. Picard's looking is around, it- blah, blah, blah. And Troy says about um, Ashara's boss, her commander, he's deceitful and manipulative. But I don't have a good reading on the young woman. So she can't, t- basically, she says, be careful. I don't know if we can trust them. And that's literally the sum total of Troy's contribution to the thing. Yeah. Her boss, who is skeezy as all get out, she's like, he's deceitful, manipulative, but she can't even tell if Ashara is being honest or not. So poor Troy. It would be yeah. awesome if like season seven, she revealed she wasn't empathic. And it just like, it started at some point. She had to just keep going with it. Just uh, be careful, Captain. That Romulan seems uh, untrustworthy. Oh, wow. <laughs> It just went on too long and she couldn't stop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then, so Chuck pointed this out when we were watching the episode. Uh, the time, the, like the, the blood work to check and see if she was Tasha's sister took like two hours. Yeah. But on DS9, um, Jadzia like scans someone and they're like, yep, she's an O'Brien. Because we, ju- we just recently mm. had watched the Time's Orphan. Oh, is it Time's Orphan? The one where they, they get to the planet and find their own descendants there and they're supposed to yeah. crash into the yeah. past. Yeah. And yeah, she she scans someone with the tricorder and is like, "Yep, she's definitely an O'Brien." And takes wow, like three that's but, um, funny. It just, we just I thought that too. Then like a few days ago, <laughs> I thought yeah. that too, especially because they're full siblings. That's that's like the easiest test you can take: full siblings yeah. and parent and child. I thought that as right. well. Mm-hmm. Um, for some strange reason, I know we're running out of time on this one. For some strange reason, I liked her commanding officer only because he was like B movie skis. <laughs> and I love at the end, you know, he's kind of like, hey, Captain. And I just, the car's like, just cut this fool off. So it was, <laughs> it was something about him that was almost funny to me. He's like, he could have been in 48 hours as like one of the minor bad guys or something like that. Well, I, I love that their costumes were very 1990. Like they could have <laughs> oh, walked on to any other show in 1990 and been just <laughs> <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
All right, we want to pivot and move into Deep Space Nine. We, yes. we better pivot because yep. if, oh. this, if that first one was the least interesting of the four, <laughs> it's oh, a boy. show. <laughs> so, the Little Green Men. Yes. You want? What do you think, Veronica? It's one of the best Star Trek episodes ever. <laughs> Maybe we can no maybe no we can, <laughs> maybe we can cut a little time because we've discussed this one before. Yeah, yeah. so we, we have. have. Yeah. It, it's great though. I, it I is love fantastic. I love every it joke so still much. works. Yeah, yeah, this is this is like the trouble with triples. Every joke mm. still works. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I laughed. I laughed every time, even when they were saying yeah. goofy stuff. Oh, and and did y'all notice one thing that I don't know if I we had talked about this for you, right, Alan? But my God, was everybody puffing cigarettes? Oh yeah. I mean they were really pushing the point that it was a different time. The doctor oh, yeah. was lighting a cigarette, the general was chopping the cigar, everybody was like mm-hmm. just cigarettes everywhere. It was it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how it was in the sixties. Uh-huh. Well the forties, nineteen forty seven. Forties. Yep. Yeah. And seventies. And yeah. 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 So I, okay, I love so. this episode. <laughs> <That> <laughs> I was mean so good. Yeah. I think uh, there's a, there's a line from when, when okay I think it's funny when they gave Nog the book on Earth and like a couple hours later Nog knew everything about Earth history I mean I thought it was like what did he my God he read that book fast but I love the thing when Cork says there are primitive backward people Nog pity them and I thought that was there were just so many good one liners in there I thought that was absolutely hilarious and then they even talked about how even the Ferengi didn't irradiate their own planet. And Quark's like, nobody puts a nuclear reactor in the atmosphere. Nobody would do that. Right. <laughs> I love when he's rattling off the things he, he knows about humanity. He's like, yeah, we've been watching you for years. Baseball, root beer, dart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I the thing, the line that made me laugh the most, and I thought it was so funny because talk about humanizing and crossing cultures and species is when the general tells Quark, you remind me of my brother-in-law and he's a car salesman. Right. And I don't trust him, but I don't trust you. And I love it. Right. I do love that too. I also yeah. love that when the general is, I forget the, I forget what he's saying, but it's about, he's referring to the president and he uh-huh. refers to him as that piano playing Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said, he's not as stupid as he looks like, Whoa. <laughs> Right. Oh, man. I thought that was that. I thought that was hilarious. And then, of course, the line we—I'm sorry—the line we talked about before, where Nog brings up the picture of Gabriel Bell. <laughs> That's <just> great. <laughs> yeah. And I love when when Quark's like, "Yeah, yes, you got to give up things like tobacco and a, a tobacco and atomic bombs. That stuff will kill you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it man. was. So, it was just so good. I do. Uh, I, I enjoy the scene where they're in the interrogation and Nog sort of turns it around on the humans, yeah. you know, and um, Cork is like, what the hell? What are you doing? You know, and and <laughs> Nog knows what he's doing. Yeah. And it's like it's like that Starfleet mentality kicks in for him. You know, like he <laughs> knows how to get out of this situation. I yeah. love that scene. Yes. Yeah. And talking about, you know, every 20 episodes and we're charting sort of the development of the shows. Mm-hmm. Was it Heart of Glory or not, was it Heart, Heart of Stone? Heart um, of Stone. Wasn't that the one we did last time when when Quark, I mean, yeah. when when, Ra, when Nog, you know, asked Cisco that, uh, to ha- sponsor him to join Starfleet. Yeah. Yes. Now here we are 20 yeah. episodes later and he's yeah. headed to Earth. He's, you know, selling his 
possessions and, and heading off to Earth. I think that's, that's serendipitous <laughs> that it happened to be 20 episodes later. Absolutely. Yeah. What a good point. I didn't even think about the fact that that was one of the ones that we had done yeah. in, in, in the 60th. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, and and I also thought that they integrated the Ferengi culture, which can sometimes be too comical. Well, because the whole point of selling off stuff before he went off the Starfleet was cool. And what I loved was even though Nog was going to become a Starfleet cadet, he was blackmailing Quark just like <laughs> Rom was. He's like, "Well, I'm not a cadet yet, so I'll take right. my first. Yeah, I thought that was awesome because he's, he's still a Ferengi, in. right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. they. And as he goes along, they do a good job of balancing his Ferenginess with his Starfleetness, you know, yeah. and sort of just integrating it together. Mm-hmm. Right. Like when mm-hmm. he asked, I'm sorry, when he asked, um, um, gosh, was it O'Brien? He said, would that book on Earth make him attractive to human females? <laughs> well, <laughs> no. I, I, the thing that I love most about this episode is that Star Trek you know, when they do families, they sometimes mm-hmm. do them well. And that's like the Cisco family is mm-hmm. so well done. This is right. one, probably the only time that an episode focuses on a non-human family hmm. yeah. and makes them the centerpiece of the story and their culture and their mindset. And I love that. And they take and put them in that sort of like, you know, quote unquote primitive earth. Yeah. And, and instead of like, you know, aren't Ferengis weird compared to Cisco and Dax? And but no, now they're taking them and putting them on Earth in a very specific situation and using that as the thing that highlights their alienness, but making right. them the 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 you know the fulcrum of the episode. Yeah, and I love the, it. I the think point it's of so characters. Smart. What's that? They're the they're the point of view characters. Exactly. Is, we're exactly. seeing yeah. Earth through their eyes. Right. Yeah, and and hearing them through their ears. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was so, cool. That was I, so funny. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. And what that I like about brilliant. oh, Alan, what I like about that is is Quark goes from being a little scared or whatever yep. to 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 he's saying he's like, boy, these people are really stupid. And then I love this line where he says later on, Quark says. These people are, they're nothing like Federation. They're crude, gullible, and greedy. And he's just dripping. Nog is is like, you can't mess with the timeline, whatever. You know, he's like, we're going to, we're going to sell these, we're going to sell our ship to the Ferengi 400 years ahead of time. We'll make the Ferengi empire rich. I'll be ruling everything. I mean, he's just, he's just gone (laughs) down this whole other path. It's just amazing to me. Well, well, Quark didn't take an oath for the prime director. (laughs) Cork is an opportunist, right? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent, and he sees a golden opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I don't know if written today. I don't know if the whole Umox thing would go over written today because yeah. that that's just no. a little crazy. That's whole, God, I love that so much. It's so funny. <laughs> it really is. I think Umox is hilarious. <laughs> Oh, okay, man. I'm just gonna say ew, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> You've just never had good Umox key. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond. See, <laughs> what do I say? Yes, I have. No, I haven't. <laughs> There's, There's no answer response. to that. No. There is no response to that. But yeah, this this absolutely held up. I mean, every joke, even as like even and y'all know how I criticize the science. When Ron was rattling off all that weird chemo site, this and that, I just laughed because I don't. And then they found an atomic bomb to fly into. I'm like, I yeah. just laughed because I, yeah. I like, this makes no <laughs> sense. I go, I'm going with it. <laughs> it's just an expediency. 
Yes. It have to make sense. But you're absolutely <laughs> right. It does hold up. I have every single time I watch this episode, it mm-hmm. is still good. It's still one of the best episodes. I never get tired of it. Yeah. It yeah. is a solid, solid episode. Yeah. Hey, and his cousin, the one who he said he let the money to go into munitions, is that the one who comes in later on who's who's a, a, a horrible arms dealer? Yeah, cousin Gala. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the same guy, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another good episode. (laughs) (laughs) Gala owns his own moon. (laughs) Yes, that's the one. (laughs) Uh, All right. We want to pivot and get into Star Trek Voyager. Yeah. Can I say one one last thing real quick? Yes. Ten seconds. Um, I had such a hard time stopping at this show because before this episode was The Way of the Warrior, The Visitor, Hippocratic Oath, Indiscretions, Mm. Um, Starship Down, The Visitor, and after it was Sword of Kalos, Our Man Bashir, and Homefront. Right. And I struggled to get away from DS9. Yeah, you can't let it no. autoplay, or that's just your life now. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I, mean, that, I mean, this is, you know, the first three seasons of DS9 are really good. Yep. But season yeah. four, man, it just kicks into high gear. Yes, yes. That, especially that first half of that season is so incredibly solid. Amazing. And you haven't even gotten to season six yet. Right. 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 Come on. At the 42 cast, we want to bring you everything. And that's why we've jam packed the next few months with as much as we can. You not only get the same reviews, topics, and interviews that you did before, you also get screen reads where we compare a movie to its source material or Role Models, where we talk about tabletop gaming. It's never been a more exciting time to check out our show. It's your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything, so why not check it out? We can be found on most podcasting platforms, and we are a proud member of the ESO Network. What's also good, though, is Season 4 Voyager. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> because i thought voyager had a really good fourth season also it really did yeah it really i mean did. it starts off with the the scorpion two-parter real yeah from season three to season four yeah and i think voyager's just knocking it out of the park after that um, yeah this episode mortal coil uh i didn't have a good memory of i it was a uh, a lot of things in this that i didn't remember but i really yeah. enjoyed this episode mm-hmm. i did too i did too and normally i don't really care much for neelix centric mm-hmm. episodes right and you know we have talked before about doing a religion in star trek episode yes. which i really want us to do but the one mm-hmm. from voyager that i always think of the most is the one where ensign kim yes. goes to what whoever those other people are and they want to know about their afterlife and mm. and it turns out that theirs isn't what they think it is and i forget about this one right and this one is so personal Mm-hmm. Oh man, really I, was, I was really, I was, I'm really, really glad that we, this is one of the ones that we rewatched. Yeah. Cause so, I haven't seen it in a long time. So this is the other one that I had never seen. Okay. okay. Um, awesome. And the very first thing I asked was why didn't seven um, bring back. Oh, now I'm forgetting his name. Elnor. If she can bring back, if you could use more nanoprobes to bring, why didn't she bring back Elnor? Because it hadn't Mm. been even, it hadn't been any hours. She could have just gone over there and been like, "Boop." 
Why didn't well, you use Borgdana probes to resurrect anybody? You know, it, it, right. I mean, it, I, I, I would say it's specific to the type of injuries that he had. And yeah. Not, not think too much more about Thank it because yeah. it's one of those episodes where they cure death in Star Trek and just never mention it again. Right. Yeah. They missed, they missed literally one line where they, they, they threw some techno babble about the proto matter energy thing kind of sort of took the place of his nervous system for a while and you could never do it with any other kind of injury. You're right. There was something like that. Mm-hmm, they just yeah. kind of mm-hmm. missed that. Um, yeah. Because I thought that was fairly uh, interesting that mm. Seven just blithely says, you just need some nanoprobes. And okay. Yeah. But, but here's here's the other side of that, though. Elnor and none of the other characters that we're thinking of got a a cold open that showed how important they are to every person on the mm. ship. Yeah. And, they, they, and this they cold let, open they, was like rapid fire. Neelix, yeah. I need you to do this. Neelix, I need you to make me coffee. Neelix, can you get my daughter to go to sleep? Neelix, I need this. And and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, it's just all in a day's work because yeah. I'm Neelix. So, <laughs> you know, clearly yeah. they, can't, they have to resurrect him or the ship will fall apart. You know, I always wonder, every time I see, like you said, Alan, they really leaned into it in this they episode. They leaned into it. But... Every time I see Neelix is like protocol officer and cook, and then he was training for security. Yeah. I always flash forward to the episode in season six or seven where there's a whole, all these crewmen who basically for all those years have been doing nothing. That one of them was an astronomer, and Janeway, after like six years, seven years, like, oh hey, these people aren't producing. Let's let me go introduce myself to them. So I've always <laughs> wondered. Why the heck on a ship that small, all that way from Earth, did they have all these people who are basically useless? Right. And like, does Neelix just step up and take their slots? I mean, is it like Neelix <laughs> volunteers so he gets the job? Because those other people <laughs> should have been doing other stuff. Yeah, I've never understood right. that. But it kind of emphasized that today because he's literally like the chief cook and bottle washer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought this episode really improved Neelix's character. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember back was our 20th episode, I think, when we were talking about uh-huh. Logium and mm-hmm. the whole Neelix Kess relationship. Uh, like, oh, uh, yeah. But yeah. I mean, Creepy. You have, really the beginning of his relationship with Naomi Wildman in this episode. Yeah. Um, she wasn't played by Scarlett Palmer's yet. But right. I think giving him that paternal relationship. Yeah, works so much better for the character. 100%. I mean, we were talking about that when we were talking about Elogium in episode 20. Yeah. That mm-hmm. if, if Kess had been more of a child that he was caring for and he was responsible for then yeah. him being overly worried and overprotective and stuff wouldn't have come off as weird. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, as right. opposed to, you know, now my child bride is reaching sexual maturity and I have to decide <laughs> if I want to be a dad, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's I, creepy. I think the Naomi Wildman thing works so much better. And I think it improves his character a lot. Uh, oh, I totally, totally agree. <laughs> yeah. Okay, absolutely the first agree with thing that. I thought of when I saw like his afterlife, Thing was uh, the Naomi episode later on with the tree people, the tree mm-hmm. person, the, the water person. Yeah, uh, it mm-hmm. reminds me of that. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So yeah, uh, there's this thing where you know Neelix has now come back to life and he's a little shaky on his feet. You know, I don't know what I'm about or anything. And they're like, mm-hmm. well, let's go onto the shuttle and recreate the accident and investigate the thing. <laughs> Thank you. And he watches his own death. (laughs) Holy smokes. How traumatizing must that be? Alan, and I wrote in my notes, Mr. Spiritual is the guy doing it. It's like, did it not cross your freaking mind that you're going to, that Neelix is going to watch his death? Then he's just looking at Neelix. Like, dude. Right. (laughs) Like, what's your problem? 
Yeah. How, how could he not possibly come to the point of suicide by the end of the episode? Yeah. Uh, plus, I think that ending was so good. Yeah. I thought it was so well, you know, and it makes me think of the, I hate to bring it up, but the suicide episode in Picard season two, mm-hmm. this works. And, and this is Neelix we're talking about. This is, you know, any episode that starts with Neelix getting killed, I'm like all for it. So when it's Neelix that's at the point of suicide and has to be talked down from the ledge and has to be given a reason to live, that's yeah. powerful. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah, so I, impressed. Yeah. And in Picard season two, and I, I commented that I didn't care for that element of the storyline because of some personal mm-hmm. things. I have but, no memory yeah. of that storyline. Uh, well, <laughs> already. <laughs> It was glamorized <laughs> in Picard season two. It was shot very beautifully and the whole yeah. story resolved yeah. it being inevitable and it had yeah. to happen. And I don't care for that. I like it much better here. I thought this was handled much better that, you know, he, he, he feels like, I mean, he's dealing with the, with the idea that all of his deeply held beliefs, which I don't think we'd ever heard about before this episode, nope. all of his deeply held beliefs aren't real. And you know, and they're they're giving them the idea that you do have something to live for. And even if it's something as simple as this little girl is frightened and needs you to help her go to sleep, that's something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I I just it's not presented here as something that's beautiful and it's not shot yeah. beautifully. You know what I mean? Really? It's not glamorized. It, uh, and I like right. I I think this episode handles the ideas of suicide, um, the storyline much better than they yeah. did in Picard. Yeah. Um, Alan, I agree. I'm sorry, I mean cut you off, Charles. No, go ahead. Um let me, let me go ahead and finish. I apologize. My, I, my video I, I already up. said everything. Uh, okay. <laughs> Alan, you said something I thought was very interesting. And this happens with some characters like, uh, for me, Bellana Torres and for other people, Wesley Crusher and Neelix was, I didn't like Neelix much at first when I watched Voyager, but oddly, I had only watched maybe 40% of Voyager when it ran. Mm-hmm, and so right. over the last five years, I've finally caught up and I actually like Neelix more. And I think sometimes it may be like you watch an entire seven seasons in several months like I did. Yeah. And here's the thing, other than the creepy relationship with Kess, mm-hmm. one of the things that I did come to the conclusion with is you're right. Neelix is irritating. He's sometimes, yeah. re- he's, he, he's, in, he, he tries to ingratiate himself too much. He wants to be the security guard. He wants to be the protocol officer. But when you get the episodes like the one Jatrell, that's the one where he found the guy who yeah. created that weapon that killed his people and his yeah. sister. And you get episodes like this. What you find out is Neelix is a broken man who mm-hmm. went through hell. And then you find out later on spoilers that he was basically a deserter during the war. Yeah. And you find out that a lot of that humor and all that ingratiating himself, that's what he forces himself to do because Neelix is dark. He's a really mm. dark character. He's sad. He's bereft. He's yeah. he's lonely. He's full of guilt. And yeah. so then when I look at it in that light, that kind of really irritating Lennox who's always trying to get uh, uh, Neelix is giving you the soup and like wants to do 10,000 jobs. I kind of get it. He's trying yeah. to find purposes in life because he doubts himself and he's full of pain and loss. And so yeah. a show like this works for him. Yeah. And even Phillips, Phillips is such a good dramatic actor, too. Yeah, yeah. he really is. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, two things, except that I can't remember what the first one is. So <laughs> I'm going to go on to my second thing, which is as much as this episode sort of... Um, renews my appreciation of Neelix. It also gives me a different appreciation of Chakotay. Yeah. I think especially that, that ending scene where he's the one who has to first guide him on his vision quest. And then second, 
talk him off of that ledge. I thought that was some really good material for, for him. And, and mm. I, I really appreciated that my least two favorite characters on the show were featured in a way that really made me appreciate them and enjoy them. Mm. Yeah. I thought they yeah. had some good material for seven of nine also. It um, is. Yeah. With her admitting that Neelix is important and she doesn't want to lose him, you know, even yeah. if she doesn't know how to express that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I, and I like the, uh, you know, they're talking about the afterlife thing and she was talking about, well, technically I, my memories are still in the collective. So I'll always live forever. And like, well, do you <laughs> get comfort from that? And she seems sort of like, she's like, well, I, I mean, I didn't like she was being genuine when she was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know how, how comforting it would be for your memories to live on in the collective. Right. It seems like yeah. she was, she was kind of wondering, like she's kind of questioning that. Yeah. You know, yeah. is she, do I, do I take comfort in that? Right. It's like, she's on a, a much, you know, smaller, but, a, but the similar journey to what Neelix is on. Yeah. She's questioning, but, but he was like forced into this, you know, I love that scene between them in the mess hall where he's like, you had no right to bring me back. I didn't mm -hmm. have to be brought back. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, you were dead at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I love, I loved his struggle to accept and understand this, this whole situation that he's basically been put in. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I was, I'm surprised at how much I really enjoyed this episode. Mm. I thought so too. And I, I like you, Alan, I love, re I love religion in star Trek because yeah, me too. religion, me too. Re Religion is the ultimate thing that nobody will ever prove. I have, um, I had two friends over my life who have tried to convince me. So I was raised, you know, very traditional um, religion. My, my my late father was a preacher, and I had two friends who, and says everybody, they know I'm, they know that I love astronomy and cosmology. Argued with me logically that there's no God, and one of my friends said, Keith, you can't prove there's a God. And I said, I absolutely agree with you. And he goes, So why do you believe in a God? I said, Because it gives me comfort. And then he went on and on and he said, and he was babbling about, you know, I don't, I don't like religious people, this and that. And I said, you know what, dude, let me tell you something. I'm, I believe in God, but I don't believe in pushing religion on people. And by the same token, I don't believe people like you should spend your time trying to convince me there is no God. Because if you win, then what? I'm bereft. And what, you're happy? You know, you won because you took, <laughs> I know I'm like, well, I got nobody to pray to at night. And so I love that because, um, Back what you're saying, Alan, about Chakotay. Chakotay says something that on, on the surface makes no sense. He literally said to Neelix, your crisis of faith is an opportunity to have even greater faith. Yes. Which also makes no, which kind of makes no sense, but it's the essence of religion. And it is not logical. <laughs> it really is at the end of the day. Right. But right. Yeah. Th those who believe that's the whole point. You will never be able to prove there's a God and you will never be able to prove there's not a God. Yeah. Because if you don't believe in an afterlife, you don't believe we're going to have an argument where I said I win. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it's about what gives you comfort. And that's what it's all boils down to. They're wormhole aliens or they're gods. It's what mm -hmm. you want them to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I related a lot to what Neelix is going through in this episode. I was, I don't really talk about this in the show much, but I was very religious until I was about 20 years old. And I've, I, for three uh -huh. years, I was studying to be a minister and I would speak at churches and teach at youth camps and mm -hmm. things like that. And really? uh, but not anymore. I've been an atheist for the last 20, 21 years. Um, mm. So I, I went through that when I was younger mm -hmm. of, what mm -hmm. I felt like Neelix was going through of realizing that the things that I drew strength from and the thing, the stories that I was told uh, weren't true. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I just wish in this episode, it's sort of a, a victim of the episodic storytelling where, I mean, did we ever know that Neelix had these beliefs and was it ever mentioned again after this episode, you know, in this episode, yeah. he has these deeply held convictions that give him yeah. strength yeah. to make it through the day. 
and then he loses them. Yeah. And then moves on. And we never hear about it again, and we never heard about it before, you know? Yeah. Kind of like, uh, kind of like with Worf, at least, you do get his religious beliefs all throughout the series, Stovacor and so forth. So you, yeah. you do get him being religious. Um, yeah. So it makes sense. Yeah. Right. Right. All right. Well, did we want to move on to Enterprise? Let's do. When we talk yes. about Border, or we watch Borderland. Yes. Um, yes. Which I think features uh, the best Sung. <laughs> Eric Sung. I like Eric Sung. Agreed. <laughs> I do too. So, Agreed. Keith, earlier you said uh, in Next Gen, you said that you wanted to point out how good a performance Brent Spiner. And I'm saying the same thing in this one. I thought yes. he was, oh fan- my gosh, was amazing. fantastic. Yes. Yeah, when you were saying that, I was like, did we skip ahead? What are you doing? You just skip some pages, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, his Brent Spiner was great in this one too. I thought yeah. he was r- really good. He yeah. played smarmy, really smart, but not evil mm-hmm. very well. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Veronica, that is so well said because I put in here <laughs> this is the example when it's not a villain, it's an antagonist. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's and just a differing does- viewpoint. Yeah. He doesn't want to kill. Like Malik and some of those people, you know, he, he's not he's not tossing life aside, but he might kind of sort of if he needs to, but he doesn't want to. He keeps telling Archer just leave. Yeah, he's he's amoral. He's not immoral. Yeah. He's amoral, I think. Mm. Yeah, he, he's not a, he's not necessarily who's going to murder you, but he right. will absolutely leave you to die if, if it comes down <laughs> to it. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and you might wake up with a third eye because he experimented on you and said, hey, this is good for you, but... (laughs) This is the future. Yeah. Yeah. All humans will have three eyes when I'm finished with them. (laughs) This episode was really representative of where Enterprise was at this point in the show. Because by season four, they'd gone to these sort of mini arcs and Mm -hmm. a lot more drawing from continuity. So in this yes. one, you've got the augments, which is playing off of the con thing without bringing con back or introducing something silly like his descendant or something like that. But, right. <laughs> but instead, you've got sort of guys like con, you know, you're sort of referencing the con mythology, mm-hmm. um, but also referencing forward in a weird way to the data mythology. Yeah, you know, that's exactly. true. With Sung being there. Right, right. You know, and I got to say, y'all know how much I complain about the canon twisting that the new track does and how I, I keep saying yeah. they, they drive holes. Uh, they drive trucks through holes where they sneak in canon twisting in history. This one, I'm, as you just said, Charles, I'm OK with it because mm. it wasn't specifically con. I mean, if I think about it too hard, I might go, eh, I don't know. But it kind of works in this case. I wasn't as upset with like, saying, well, you know, they didn't even mention cons people until the original series. It was OK because it was the augments and then they died off spoilers and uh so, so i was i was kind of okay with it and this one actually liked the episode i gotta say the actor malik for some reason i don't know why it's a personal thing he doesn't work for me as the big bad it might be that mullet he's sporting i just don't know but well, they all have that sort of mullet and holes in their skirts look <laughs> was that supposed yeah. to indicate that they've been alone for 10 years and their shirts are falling apart seriously serious question no it's a fashion choice He's got to wow. be. I mean, these guys are smart enough to stitch up their shirts or, find, <laughs> or acquire new shirts. If no, you can acquire no, they can a... only kill things and and make war logic things. They well, can't do, if you can steal a bird of prey, you can steal a shirt. Things. Yeah, true. <laughs> I, 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 oh, go ahead. Sorry. 
I was gonna say I, I did feel like JG Hertzler was wasted in this. Okay, yes. yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. I was gonna yes. say first of all, the 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 bird of play bird of prey looked phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I was also gonna say anytime you have an episode that JG Hertzler is playing a Klingon, even if it's not Martok, is a good episode. Amen. Even if he wasn't used enough, even if he was only Agreed. used in a little bit of it. And I haven't watched these in a long time, so I don't remember if the Klingons are featured in the second half or not. I don't remember. But anyway, that's all. Yeah. Oh, that's why there's something that I thought happened uh, didn't happen in this episode because there's more. Okay, good. Yeah. I feel yeah. better. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, it's yeah. A three-parter. Yeah, it's a three-parter. Yeah. Is it three have, or two? I thought it was two. It's it three. Right. I, I don't I know. Thought it's, it was three. Yeah, okay. it's actually three, and they and they don't they don't have the same name as Borderlines, Coal Station Twelve, and right. then the last one, and it's so it's actually a three. Part. <laughs> yeah, and I forget the name of it, which I wrote down. I can't believe I forgot yeah. that. But they, I, they, I remember, they referenced all the episode titles in that dialogue at the beginning of the episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I wrote something down that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, Alan and Charles were talking about um, this is you know pre TNG and stuff like that under Roddenberry. There's no way they would have had a Coal Station 12 they reference where they were keeping embryos of the augments and all these incredibly deadly diseases. Now, you keep these things for research, but I bet on a Rottenberry he would have been he would have had a problem with some of that because obviously there's a there's an indication here that the Federation might use some of this stuff. I mean, I know like we keep, you know, we keep like smallpox bacteria and stuff in the CDC here in Atlanta. We keep all these frozen bacteria. But I think Roddenberry would have had a little problem with it. If nothing else, the fact they were still keeping augment embryos frozen. And I thought mm-hmm. that was a fascinating commentary because that's where Sung got them. This isn't Khan's yeah. people on a sleeper ship. They froze those embryos for what purpose? I thought, right. was, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Hmm. But Roddenberry would have loved the Orion slave market. <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> he would have yeah. been into that. <laughs> yeah. And and I forget the actor's name, but, you know, as obviously that actor, I think, isn't he like a WWE or something actor? Big, oh, Big Show. Yeah. Big Show, right. And that yeah. was, I was showing my wife and she was like, oh, my God. I said, look at this. That is 100% him picking Jolene Blaylock up like she's a doll and just doing like, like when he was laughing, <laughs> oh, even my first wife didn't sell for this much. <laughs> <laughs> He's huge. Good yeah. night. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like the slave market. I thought that was really well done. Yeah. I did another, too. I mean, it's, it's another, you know, pull from Star Trek continuity, you know, something that we hadn't seen at that point. We hadn't seen in a long time. Yeah. We see Orion's all the time now. But um, yeah, that thought that, that was fun. I do. Too. I was I was trying to fit the lower decks Orions into this because they did have the Orion woman they were selling. And I'm like, well, why are they trying to sell her? Are they trying to like take over into their cultures or their specific culture that they want to take over. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, 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 the implication of the understanding now from what they said in all these episodes is that the whole slave thing is basically a ruse. Mm-hmm. What better way to plant them somewhere than to sell them as slaves. And then the women become the slaves in these households or these empires. And then they use their pheromones to control from within. So the whole slave thing, once they've retconned it, is literally the ultimate power behind the throne kind of thing. That's that's yeah. the that's the way they it doesn't really work if you think no. too much about it, but that's what the that's the guys they're using. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um I did like the one dude when he was like, if I can't sell you as a slave, I'm gonna sell you as food. He's like, oh, yeah. God, yes. <laughs> yes. And then and how about that poor incident or whatever who's like I've read and studied everything about it, but I wasn't prepared for this. I know. 
I know. One of those, like, it's my first mission kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, like a, a, a Galaxy Quest, what's the face, right. you know? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. My, I did chuckle at the fact that they threw straw on the cage, on the cages where they kept the humans, almost like we do for animals. So <laughs> I thought that was a little weird. Did they expect oh, that's them funny. To go I didn't even, I noticed that, but I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. Like, did they expect them to go to the bathroom in there? <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, betting again where else they're gonna go yeah yeah i guess so they're not gonna let them out that's a good point all right well any more thoughts about that before we go to sort of thoughts overall yeah keith's other point that he that he that i was going to bring up in from the tng episode and i don't remember what it was about it was about some some emotional acting uh oh data and Mm -hmm. and him Mm -hmm. like um conveying an emotion without being emotional basically and there was that scene where archer gives uh to paul that present welcome to your first day as a starfleet commander yeah and you can tell that she is so affected by that like she's emotionally affected by that but that she's not going to show it and it was it was it was like the vulcan version of a squeeze it was such a simple scene, and I thought yeah. Jolene was so. I just yes. absolutely love her, mm. and uh, but especially in seasons three and four, I think she's phenomenal. Yes. And that yeah. one little scene, but also like when she's talking to those two scenes where she's talking to Trip, and they get interrupted, and you can tell that there's more going on under the surface than what she's wanting to show. She's so good. Mm-hmm. She really mm-hmm. is. And also, Alan, that shows one thing, one reason which I have really progressed to the point that I truly love Enterprise, the series, that shows so much growth. Because if you go back to the first episode, yeah. the way Archer felt about all Vulcans and her, they were adversarial. And oh, then yeah. now they trust each other, truly, truly trust each other. And it's a natural growth and it feels realistic. So I love that. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah, about that. I have one last quick question before we roll out, uh, Ch- Charles. Um, maybe this says something about me, but when I saw all that stuff that Sung had written in his his lab, I literally said, "Ha! I do not believe they're vaporizing all that research." Oh no! <laughs> and, no. and maybe that's me, but I'm like, "Are you kidding me? There's no way." That, 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 no. no, they're not I, doing that. Yeah, I think they're using all that stuff, even the yeah. genetic stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. They, have, they have a team of guys in the next room. They're just <laughs> passing <laughs> the pages. Exactly. It goes right next door. <laughs> right. They're like, hey, pass this off to section 31, will you? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, any any overall thoughts? I mean, about where the shows sort of have evolved to uh, by their 80th episode. They were all pretty solid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this yeah. is a, when, when Alan, you when you first posted the, the list for us to make sure we're all yeah. watching the same episodes. Uh, yeah. my, my first comment was like, this is like, the best group of episodes we've had doing yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. And yeah. of course it helps that it's only four of them instead of like six mm-hmm. or seven or whatever. But yes, absolutely. This is this was a good batch of episodes. And I think and every I- series is showing its strengths, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And maybe maybe the TNG one less so because there's a lot of stuff going on in TNG around this time that's much yeah. stronger. Right. Yeah, but absolutely. but I think, you know, uh, for the other three at least, I think that you're really seeing how much these shows have grown and just what mm-hmm. strengths they're growing into because this is right. this is basically the halfway point. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh the 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 DS9 one is I counted one time and I think it's the exact half of season four, which is the exact half of this whole series. 
So this is like the apex of DS9. And you can see just how strong that show is from this mm -hmm. one episode. Absolutely. Because oh, yeah. the visitor is right around there and all those other yeah. episodes. So, right. so good. Also, I think you made a good point that I hadn't thought about specifically that way because I actually like Neelix and Chakotay, or I like to say Chakotay from the alternate rea thing. But <laughs> those are characters that aren't always showcased well as far as dram dramatic, and yeah. that was a great showcase. And I also have to say, you know, I've said many times, I always felt Jerry Ryan sucked the air out of the others, not anything against her. But it shows, again, I will never deny this, I like her character. She's a phenomenal comedic and dramatic actress because there's that one little scene where Captain Janeway said, are you having fun? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just so funny. And then when she's right. forced to go mingle, she goes over to Samantha and the doctor. They were talking about kids and she starts talking about bored children and maturation chambers. And Samantha's a while. OK, I got to go. And the doctor's like. When they put you in those maturation changes, they didn't give you conversational skills, did they? And it was <laughs> right. so funny because when, when she first came on the ship, when she first talked to Neelix, she literally mentioned Neelix's species and told Neelix how they had um, they had um, grabbed several of the Talaxians because their body structures made them efficient workers. That's like her first conversation with Neelix. Neelix <laughs> Uh, okay. I mean, what do you say to that? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so all, I agree. All good. All four shows were good. TNG, not the best, but they yeah. were all, I would not deny, I would not, uh, I would not say I wouldn't watch any of them again. Exactly. But I truly enjoyed the day. And I got to say that I'm, I'm uh, like, I haven't watched, I've watched a lot of season four of Enterprise recently, mm -hmm. but I haven't watched these ones. And after seeing, mm. Borderland, I'm really looking forward to going back and finishing the trilogy. I really want yep. to see those next two episodes. It's very good. Oh, God, it's good. I remember liking it at the thoughts? time, but... Yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. Veronica. Me? What? Did you have any closing thoughts? <laughs> I like Fringy. Okay. <laughs> what were you saying, Alan? I don't know. <laughs> I should have said on that I, I was just babbling. <laughs> All I right, like well... Fringy. We're two weeks out from Star Trek being back. Um, I can't oh, even wow. believe it. Wow. Yeah. The summer's flown by. It'll yeah, be, it really uh, has. So the plan is uh, to keep going live on Thursdays. So anyone, after you watch the episode, come join us. Uh, oh, yeah. We'd love to get your thoughts. As we'll, I think we'll we'll fall back into a rhythm like we were doing before where we have you know the, the news and history and a little discussion topic and then get yep. into the episode of the week. And yep. um, you know everyone, you can comment and join in and, and come see us every week. Um, Next week, we're going to have a guest. It's going to be Jeremy Wilcox from the Fandom Squad podcast. Oh, yeah, that's right. And we're going to be deep diving into Guldicott. We're going to have an hour on Guldicott. So, yeah. Lord have mercy. I don't know that's yeah. enough time because there's a lot, a lot to cover with Guldicott. Oh, um, boy. Right. That'll be next Thursday, uh, the 18th at 8 p.m. And, Alan, we're going to find more of Eastern time. Yes, that's, that's important to note. Exactly. It is, yeah, because YouTube yes. goes everywhere. Right, right. Al, where, yeah. where can people find more of you? Well, you can find my, I write books and I write Doctor Who books and some other stuff. And I've published a couple of things and you can find all that stuff at cosmicpress.com. And I have another podcast called Modern Musicology. And I'm going to say a thing, but I'm not going to say the whole thing. Um <laughs> We have an interview that we just confirmed uh, coming up in a few weeks. That is somebody from a iconic eighties band. Wow. And I am so excited. Wow. Awesome. Okay. 
Is it Mickey so Dollar? go subscribe to oh. Modern Musicology so you'll be there when it happens. <laughs> How about you, Keith? You can Dollars. find me on the Mickey Dollars 80s. Oh, go ahead, Keith. Yes. <laughs> they had a resurgence then. Come on. Just the standard social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Now Twitter more than ever. <laughs> and how about us, Veronica? Well, nerdy.com. And? Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. And do you have a closing for us this week? I had one earlier, wow. and now it has fa- failed. Can we, what was can the time we, yet earlier? I know. <laughs> <laughs> can we just say, Tuvix? Tuvix! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.